Hi, we're Ellen Taylor, and we're here to join you on your journey from pregnancy to birth, postpartum, and beyond. Here on the podcast, you'll get interviews with birth and parenting professionals, birth stories, and educational episodes to get you feeling confident, supported, and empowered on your journey to and through parenting. Welcome to Birth Reimagined. Hi, I'm Elle Kennedy, a birth photographer and doula based in Orange County, California. Hi, I'm Dr. Taylor Garcia, a doctor of chiropractic, also based in Orange County. Today, we're talking to Mickey Bell. She's a birth doula and childbirth educator, and she's actually going to be sharing her birth story with us today. Hi, Mickey. How are you doing today? Hi, everyone. I'm doing well. Thank you. All right. So uh, how many children do you have, Mickey, and how old are they? So I have three kids. Um, my oldest is six, and then I have a almost four-year-old in October. He'll be four, and then my youngest just turned one on September 11th, just like yesterday or two days ago. Oh, congratulations. Uh, yeah. That's so exciting. Happy birthday. I know. It was kind of the one, day, the one day that we hoped he wouldn't be born, but I was so done being pregnant. I was ready for him to come out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, which of the birth stories are you going to be sharing with us today? Tell us a little bit about your journey into parenthood. Sure. Um, I think I'm going to focus on the birth, our first birth. Um, so we've had um, really great experiences with home birth. I know that's not up everyone's alley, but it was really great for us. And so I think focusing on that first time, kind of the unknown, surprising journey that it was, uh, will be most interesting today. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've actually seen, especially with COVID, a lot more people are opting for home births lately because they're not allowed to have their support, as many support people in the birth room as they want. And so a lot of them are opting for a home birth with more support people rather than a hospital birth with just their partner. Yeah. I think, I think especially, um, right now during coronavirus, like you said, when people are not allowed the support that they find crucial to feeling safe, um, they're not feeling as safe in hospital, not necessarily medically, but just that support that they really really want. So um, yeah, they are turning to home birth and looking at birth centers and kind of exploring more options than they might have otherwise. So kind of cool. Yeah. So yeah. So tell us about your journey. How did you guys settle on a home birth or was that something you always knew you wanted? Um, I had never really considered where I would give birth um, until a friend of ours when we were still, my husband and I met very young, um, still in college and then while we were in college, an older friend um, had had a baby, so we were overseeing her, and she was telling us, like, oh, my gosh, she was born at home, and I never really even considered that that was an option, and then I, she just spoke about it in such a magical way that I was like, whoa, that's so cool. Like, I wonder if I, if I could do that. Am I strong enough to do that? Like, is that insane? I don't know, so I just kind of started thinking about it, and then we got married a few years down the line. We were ready to have kids. Um, and, and that conversation just came back really clearly to me. Um, and I was like, you know what? I think, I think we should do this at home. Like I kind of have uh, white coat syndrome anyway, <laughs> like just get really sweaty and like anxious in the hospital, even though I like am trusting of doctors. I just, my body responds weirdly. Um, so I just felt like it could be a good option for us and um, started looking into it and 
yeah, went for it. Yeah, that's awesome. You have to trust your instincts, even if they they may not make sense at the time, but maybe they'll make sense in hindsight, you know? Yeah. I think we did go into it. I mean, we I mean, we were young, we were a little bit oblivious, but maybe a good amount of <laughs> oblivious. Um I don't know. I don't know. We didn't really research a whole lot and neither of us are really like panickers. So it wasn't like we just like feared the worst and yeah, it, it was a good option. So went for it. Did you guys do any uh, childbirth classes or anything like that to prepare? We didn't do any formal child childbirth classes. Um, that first time we did hire a doula. Um, and that is what kind of I think that really shifted everything for me. And then after this birth, I actually decided to become a doula. Um, so that, so we really, we learned a lot from her and, um, then did, we only read one book. We read, uh, what is it even called? The, the old Bradley book. I think it's partner coach childbirth. Oh, yeah. It's like husband coach birthing or partner coach birthing, something something along those lines. I will look that up and I'll link to that in the show notes for any of our listeners who are interested in that. Yeah, it was a super good, very easy to di- digest book um, that I found helpful. It had a lot of diagrams in it. Um, so that really preparing wise, that was all we really did for that first birth. Okay. So tell us, you know, tell us how, how did your birth go? Like, you know, do you have, is there any backstory beforehand? Like how, what was your birth experience like? Sure. Um, well it, so it started off on my due date. My younger sister was flying in, um, to LAX. So we drove down to LAX. We saw her at the curb, pulled over, hopped out to greet her. Um, and I opened up the trunk for her to put her suitcase in and holy crap, my water broke absolutely everywhere. Oh, wow. Oh, so this is totally like the, what you see on TV moment. Dramatic gush. Everyone's shocked. Like people are pointing (laughs) like, like it was a real thing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's so funny. I always love it. It's like, oh, it's not always like you see in the movies, blah, blah, blah. But for me, it really was. But anyway, so I freaked out and I jumped back in the car um, and just grabbed all the napkins from the glove compartment and was like holding them in between my legs. And my husband was like, what are you doing? Get out of the car. <laughs> he like, he's very like, you're going to ruin the car. Like, not even that we had a nice car. It was just like, you're sitting on the, okay, anyway. Yeah, and meanwhile, you're like, um, how else are we going to get out of here? <laughs> yeah, I'm like breathing quickly not panicking but just like oh I wasn't really expecting that everyone had told me like you're gonna go over you're gonna go over 40 weeks is not realistic blah 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 so uh, he was like you need to run to the bathroom and try and like get it under control if you can do such a thing so I was like okay I was like good plan I just needed someone to give me a plan so so I like waddled through the bathroom like holding my crotch and (laughs) <laughs> I had to go past all these bags of carousels. I'm sure it was hilarious. But um, anyway, so oh my I gosh, because you're still at the airport. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're at LAX on a I think it was a Friday. I don't remember what day it was, but it was it was busy anyway. So, yeah, I'm like running to the airport bathroom. Um, 
trying to figure out and kind of get things under control. Uh, and then, so meanwhile, he's out at the curb getting yelled at by the traffic cops. You know how they are at LAX, especially. They oh like, do not let you stay at the curb. And so he's like, no, 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 my wife's water broke. Like, I have to stay here. And the guy was like, what? We need to call the ambulance. You need to get to the hospital. And he's like, no, it's not how it works. I can't educate you on that right now. <laughs> so anyway. yeah, It's not an emergency. Yeah. Calm down. <laughs> Nothing else was even happening. Um, anyways, so figured it out, got back in the car, we drove home. I wasn't having any contractions at that point. Um, everything was clear. So no one was alarmed. Like it was just proceeding as normal, but was just kind of a shocking, dramatic start. So we drove home, still no contractions. Um, I tried to sleep, uh, but just kept looking at the empty crib next to the bed. Like, oh my gosh, there, there's going to be a baby in there, like within the next. <laughs> 24 hours and so like I didn't feel like I slept at all but I must have but anyways so then the next day woke up still wasn't having contractions um so we kind of tried to keep busy so we didn't freak out and um our midwife was checking in constantly in our doula um but again nothing was happening except still leaking clear fluid everything was good so we took a little walk um went out for lunch we drove up around the Palos Verdes Hills and looked at the houses that we can't afford to live in, like <laughs> just trying, just trying to keep our mind off of it so we didn't go insane. Um, okay. So um, then finally I was like, okay, I'm so tired. Like I didn't sleep well last night. Let's go home. So we went home. I laid down. My husband laid down with me. And then probably three minutes after that, I felt my first contraction and I was like, oh, oh no oh no we've made a really bad mistake <laughs> we, there's, there's no way that we can do this at home like these contractions I've read about them and they are supposed to be easy and yeah your first ones this is oh my kind of gradually ramp you up yeah <laughs> I because I, I thought like oh early labor like I'll bake a birthday cake and watch a movie it's gonna be so fun no <laughs> It was like uh -uh. the worst feeling in the world. So so I kind of was freaking out, and I was like, maybe we should go to the hospital. I don't know. Um, but decided to get in the, in the shower. Um, so I, I was like, okay, Johnny, that's my husband. I was like, you need to get the birth pool set up. You need to uh, – I'm going to get in the shower. I can't focus on that. Let's do this. So I got in the shower, um, pointed the water at my back, tried to do the things that our doula had kind of – coached us um ahead of time that would be relieving for you know early labor uh so I tried to do that he tried to get the birth pool set up but we hadn't really done a run through which we really should have um so he is trying to like connect the hose to the shower and or yeah connect the hose uh run it out to the living room and, um, but I was deciding the shower is not helpful. So I was ready to get out. So I got out of the shower and then he's trying to help me through these massive contractions while also connecting a water line. And so he would be like screwing something into the shower head or whatever. Um, and then I would call him and be like, you need to get over here. Uh, and so he would run over and like 
do a double hip squeeze for me. But he's like, he told me afterwards, he was like looking back at the bathroom, water just spraying everywhere. Oh no. <laughs> like, nope. Do you need me? <laughs> so, so he was kind of trying to fix everything and no one was there yet. It was just us um, kind of trying to do it on our own. Finally, we got it. He's, oh, he started filling up. It was so sweet. He, we just didn't know what we were doing. He started filling up the birth pool before putting the liner in and then remembered oh, no. to put the liner in. And then there was like this bubble of water under the liner. It was a whole thing. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so finally I uh, got in the birth pool. It was, it was, you know, more manageable. The birth pool felt amazing. Um, and everyone arrived. So that, that calmed me down a bit which was helpful. Um, and uh, they were like, oh, yeah, talking about my labor line, which I had never, never heard of before. Um, yeah. So do you want to do you want to explain what that is? Because I'm sure some of our listeners don't know what a labor line is either. So a labor line is basically like a dark purplish reddish line that um kind of extends up from your butt crack while you're in labor and as a doula I don't I've seen them before and um kind of seen them progress throughout labor but I have no idea honestly the proximity of where to your butt crack and like I I could never read one for you so that's really the extent of my knowledge on that basically they get like darker and and longer the closer you are to pushing right yeah um but not every so not everybody has them but people who do have them it tends to be kind of another way that you can gauge how far along someone is yes that's what i understand without having to do an actual uh vaginal exam exactly so i've never actually throughout my three um births and labors have never actually had a cervical exam in labor, um, which is pretty rare. If you birth in hospital, you're definitely going to be experiencing that. Um, and so that, that's something that I haven't actually experienced. And so um, I don't know. So I encourage uh, clients to ask their provider if they're um, well-versed in reading a labor line or if that's an option that they can um, choose or opt for instead of a cervical exam every time. That's so cool. I love that that you've never had one. That's that's like actually really fascinating to me. I don't think I've met anybody else who's never had one. Have you never had one? Uh, no, I I had them for sure. <laughs> um, my my birth story actually uh, involves some trauma regarding a oh, cervical no. exam. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, we. Um, yeah, we we talked about that on on the episode where I share my birth story. But yeah, so yeah, I think it's I think it's super fascinating that you've had three births and no uh, vaginal exam. I think that's so cool because I, I think it's something that we really take for granted here, especially in our culture. Mm-hmm. That oh, this is just this is part of it. This is what you do, and uh, you know, it wasn't until I became a birth worker myself that I even learned about. Um, that there that there was any other way to tell how far along somebody was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're talking about your labor line. 
Yes. So they're talking about labor line. I didn't ever ask them what it looked like. I wish that someone had taken a picture of it. In my subsequent births, there's a picture of it, which I think is, I would never show anybody, but it's so fascinating to me. But um, yeah, they never told me how far along I was or um, any guess on cervical dilation. I think I think because we had talked about prenatally that um, knowing that number could be difficult for me. Um, so basically, I really like to run. And so it's I'm similar mindset when I run is basically like, tell me where I have to go, where I have to get to. But I don't like to listen to the app along the way that tells me how, how far I've gone so far. Yeah, you don't want that check-in. Yeah, so if I have to run 12 miles, fine. But don't tell me that I've only run three or else I'm <laughs> mentally like, holy crap, I'm already tired. Like, ooh. Yeah, how am I going to do nine more? I think, yeah, I think a lot of people experience that in labor, especially if they go to the hospital, you know, the first time, oh, you're not dilated enough. And they're like, but I've been in labor for X amount of time already. And you know, I, I can't do this because then they extrapolate. Well, if I've already been in labor for this amount of time, that means I'll have to labor for it this at least this much longer. And that's not accurate. Yeah. It's not it's not a linear progression. It's in most cases, it's actually really, really, really not linear. So it might go really, really slow in the beginning and then super fast real quick. So, yes. Okay. So they didn't, they didn't tell you how far along you were or how, you know, they didn't make any guesses based on how long it, until you were going to be ready to start pushing. Yeah. So, so there I was still kind of thinking I was in early labor, like, um, doing all the tips and tricks. Uh, my husband was using rebozo that the doula gave us, um, trying to do some, some belly sifting or take some pressure off my back, which was a little bit relieving. But I found with this labor, I found the most relief using a TENS unit, which okay. I don't feel like I don't feel like a lot of people use, but I found it so effective. Can you can you share with our listeners what that is? Yeah, so a TENS unit or a TENS machine, it's basically they use them in physical therapy quite often. Um, but basically it's these little electrode sticky pads. Um four of them and you stick them along your spine in a certain area, like your lower spine and they vibrate. Um, so they like pulsate in a certain pattern. And so then when you feel a contraction come, you push this button and it kind of changes the pattern and it definitely doesn't take the contraction away by any means. Um, but it, it either changes the sensation enough to make it manageable or it um, it makes you feel t a tiny bit of control over something. You're like pushing this button, like I've got a job to do. So yeah, it changes your focus. Yes, exactly. So it's good for a focal point, which doulas talk about a lot. And then it also is basically like flooding the pain receptors um, in your brain, and so it's like changing. It's it's just a different stimulus. Yeah, you're getting other sensory input, so you're not getting as much into the pain receptor area. Yeah. There so actually is a pattern um, that you can uh, use, use as a TENS unit on certain parts of the lumbar spine where you're at a certain point <clears throat> during the contraction and then a certain point when you're not in the middle of the contraction. And 
what a what a tendium does, like like you said, it does it floods the not the pain receptors, but it floods just the nerves. It distracts okay. the it distracts your brain from you know the the womb to the spot in the spine where it's trying to go. And yeah, both a distraction and it can actually help with the not less the like, not less the strength of the contraction, but like again kind of the focus of the contraction like you said you may not sense it as being as strong as it is yeah because you're you're focused on the the separate sensation that you're feeling correct yeah i've also known i've known other people who they'll they'll use like a comb or they'll hold something sensory that they can run their finger on or something like that and they'll do that during the contraction it's the same kind of idea of of giving a separate sensory input that they have control over to help distract them or to change that focus a little bit. Yeah. And you had, you had these pads on under the water? No, 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 no. You don't, I'm sorry. You don't wear them in the water for everyone. Okay, making sure. Do making not, sure. <laughs> not Thank you for clarifying that, sorry. Taylor. I'm glad that you said that. Someone's going to be calling your show up. Yeah. Um, yeah, don't wear them in the water. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what I was feeling was the most effective, um, pain management, uh, tool for me. Um, other than my husband and doula were doing some counter pressure, which was amazing, but I really felt like the TENS unit was a game changer. Um, so yeah, we were cooking along. I, um, felt my body do this little, like, huh? all of a sudden, which I was really shocked by because, I don't know. Ardula had spoken about like how how your body just takes over and you don't no one has to tell you when to push necessarily. Your body will just like go for it. And I in my head like I knew that, but feeling that sensation was very strange. Yeah, it's super weird. Yeah, just especially that first time. Yeah, and you just you you doubt yourself. Because you're just like, did I, did I make that up? Did I do that on purpose? Did I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was the same for me that first time too. It's, they tell you like, oh, you'll have this urge to bear down. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, what is an urge to do something? Like I have an urge to eat a lot of ice cream. Like, <laughs> it's not the same thing. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. The way you describe that is like the, like it's, it's exactly that same type of feeling as like when you know you're about to throw up and like your body just takes over and does it and you can't stop it and if you try to stop it it hurts you just you have to let your body take over and you have to let that sensation happen yep and it it is it's so strange so I felt that yeah I felt that that like first weird takeover um and then I think that's probably, honestly, that's when it finally clicked, like, oh, that wasn't early labor. (laughs) I, I, for the whole time, I was just like, early labor is hard, man. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to ever get through. Um, So started pushing, um, tried a bunch of different positions in the birth pool, which was great, except I feel like that birth pool that we had that time was too short for me. I'm pretty tall. Um, and so I couldn't really keep my hips under the water, uh, in a runner's lunge. Um, okay. Yeah. So I kind of was like trying to do weird positions to keep my hips low enough. Mm -hmm. Um, 
it was still relieving, but not not ideal. Um, so we we did slow dancing, we did kneeling, hands and knees. I felt like hands and knees um, was the best position for me and was the most relieving, having my stomach dangling in the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were kind of cupping water and putting it on my back and doing counter pressure. Um, and so <laughs> I feel like, um, oh, at, at one point I, so, so this is transition. This is like the end. Well, actually it's not even, is it? No, it's pushing, but I had a really, really big contraction push really hard. And then pathetically was just like, oh, and everyone was laughing and it's interesting when you're um when you're pushing how you're in between pushing contractions your mind comes back and like there can even be like smiling and laughing by the birther um yeah that to me is always because you're so focused and like overwhelmed during that contraction and then in the middle for that few seconds or minute like you're back and you're okay yeah, you're you're in two different planes of existence. Yeah. One where you're completely focused inward on what your body is doing and what you're creating and bringing into the world and then you're yourself again because it's too comp- like it it really does it feels like you're two different people experiencing two very different things. Yeah. It's bizarre. It's just it's crazy. Like the human body is nuts. Um Oh, so I forgot to mention, so when we were doing this home birth, um, it was in our old apartment. It was a one-bedroom apartment. We had neighbors on both sides of us and below us. So it was, like, surrounded with people. Um, And so we had all the doors and windows shut. It was the middle – when was it? It was the early evening. It was about 5 or 6. It's like everybody's home having dinner. Having dinner. (laughs) It sounds like we're watching like some sexy movie or something like weird. <laughs> uh, anyway, so now we have all the doors and windows shut because we're trying to be as discreet, you know, discreet as possible. <laughs> yeah, um, but it was this like crazy heat wave in LA that year, um, and so it was 99 degrees outside, and then it was probably like 110 in our apartment. It was so Ooh. hot. Oh no! But oh. so. So I just wanted to set the scene for how hot it was. So while I'm pushing, um, I am like getting the shakes, like going through all of the things, the hot and cold flashes that you go through. And uh, at one point I was like, oh, it's so cold in here. And my doula was like, (laughs) you're right. It is kind of cold in here. And she like turned off the fan and everyone, (laughs) my husband told me afterwards that everyone was just like, no. But it was, like, insanely hot um, to the point that later in this story, I ended up fainting be- just because it was so hot. I didn't even lose that much blood. I just – it was so hot that I passed out. But, um, oh, wow. Every- yeah. Heat exhaustion. Yes. Everything was fine. Um, anyway, so back. We're pushing in the tub. Um, I'm feeling her move down. Um, uh, she's coming past my pubic bone, my pelvic bone. And finally, she's born. She's born under the water. Um, I bring her up to my chest. And I had no idea what I'm doing. I That maternal instinct didn't quite kick in yet. 
um, the midwife had to tell me to, I <laughs> like picked her up and she, um, I was holding her face out and I was like, Oh baby. Um, and <laughs> the midwife was like, turn her around, like let her snuggle you, let her smell or smell, smell you. Um, all of that stuff. So anyway, everything was great. She, uh, her APGAR score was amazing. You know, it just no complication at all. So it really was very straightforward. So from the time I felt that first contraction to this time that she was born was uh, two hours and 45 minutes. Wow. So, so technically my that's labor so was long, but that's all that I knew that I was in labor. Right. Tech, yeah. Technically they would count it yeah. from the start of, you know, when your water broke, but they also say, you know, other people go, oh, well, labor starts when you feel that first contraction. Right. So they can be different things. Whether it counts as precipitous birth or not, I don't know. But it was very scary because it caught us so off guard, the intensity. Right. I would say, yeah, I would say the fact that you didn't experience those early labor contractions, I would say, yeah, that's, that's precipitous birth. Like... Yeah, so pretty maybe cool. maybe not like you know the textbook definition right. of it, but <laughs> there are definitely some shades of gray in birth. Like there are so many different spectrum of experiences. Yeah, so um, the midwife and doula they helped me over um, to the couch, delivered the placenta, everything. I mean, that sounds really messy. Everything was home birth is actually surprisingly very neat. Uh, the midwives just have a system and a process for everything and everything is like cleaner. Your house is cleaner when they leave than when they got there. It's amazing. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I haven't, yeah, I haven't had a a home birth, but I had a, uh, my first birth was at a birthing center Uh and yeah, you walk in and it looks like a bedroom with a master bath attached to it. It's, you know, they've got this big, nice cushy king size bed with nice comforter. And, and I remember like when we walked in and toured the place thinking like, you want me to give birth on that comfortable comforter? Like that's nicer than I have at home. Are you kidding me? But yeah, they, you're right. They know exactly what they're doing. Um, so yeah, deliver the placenta. Um, and then just had everything that we wanted. We had delayed cord clamping. We got skin to skin for two hours under uninterrupted. Um, it was great. I did have to have um, a decently extensive repair done of stitching. Um, I feel like because I was so caught off guard by the intensity and um, swift nature of this labor, that by the end, I was just like, okay, well, here we are, let's go. And so when they were telling me like, oh, she's close, bring, breathe her down, breathe, breathe, breathe. I was like, oh, you're telling me she's close. And I went into like athletic competitive mode. And I was like, if I just push as hard as I freaking can, she'll be here and this will be over. So yeah. I like, really blasted through that, that part when they're like, you know, slow down, do whatever you can to not push. I was like, no, 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 if I push harder, you don't understand. This will be over. Um, so anyway, so I injured myself pretty badly and um, had to have a decent amount of stitches. So that was probably honestly the worst part of 
labor for me was that repair was not not a great time I didn't love it who does (laughs) who would (laughs) did you end up going to the hospital for that it wasn't quite that extensive maybe I exaggerated the the severity of that a little bit but um no it was within uh reach for them to do at home everything was fine okay yeah yeah and that is a pretty common thing that I hear from other birthing persons is that if there is any tearing if any repair does need to be done that that is actually worse than and the recovery from that tends to be a little rough yeah Um, great yeah I did I had minor tearing with my first and they didn't do any stitches oh and that recovery was rough did you did you experience recovery with stitches versus that without no no I yeah I had minor tearing with my first they were like it's big enough that we could stitch it, but we know how you are with needles. Cause like I, I have really severe panic attacks mm. and like anxiety with needles. And they were like, so if you don't want us to, like, we don't have to, it's like kind of, it was kind of right on the cusp. And I was like, yeah. no, don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. Just leave it. Just leave it. <laughs> yeah. Just, just leave it. Um, so yeah. But that, if I had known in hindsight, maybe I would have asked for some help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. yeah. So then, I mean, basically that's, that's the whole thing it's a short story to tell really um and then the fainting episode came after that but it was all fine just drank more Gatorade that's fine um yeah but so then honestly like with the subsequent births um those were kind of my two my two main areas of focus were a what if what if I'm not actually like mentally tough enough to do this home birth thing and I just lucked out by having a under three hour birth? Um, And what if it's a long birth and I can't actually hang? I don't know. So I was pretty nervous about that and had to do some mental prep beforehand just to wrap my mind around like, what if it is a 15 hour birth or more? Like, so I had to really think about that. Um, And then also... Um, my biggest goal for the second time was to really not tear, to slow down when they said slow down, to do horse lips, to do anything, to not blast through the end of that birth canal and really hurt myself Um, and have good success. So there is hope. And do you mind us asking how long were your second and third births? So my First one was 2.45-ish. Um, my second one was about two hours, two and a half probably. And then my third birth was my long birth was three hours and 15 minutes or something like that. Oh my gosh, your long birth is three hours and 15 yeah. minutes. Yeah, I was a little oh nervous that third time because a lot of birth worker friends were telling me like, oh, the third can kind of be the wild card. Um, yeah I've heard that too yeah so I did have it in my head like okay this could be the long one I deserve it probably (laughs) I don't know yeah I've definitely heard the the traditional norm is like however long your first is your second will take half that amount of time yes and then the third one is a total wild card it could be it could be super short it could be longer like you just kind of have no idea um I was actually the opposite my first was 38 hours and my second was 51 and a half no, um, no, no, no. <laughs> I I actually think there was a lot of extenuating circumstances in that second one. Um, in my I that's actually the one I focus on when I share my birth story. Um, 
in a in another episode on the podcast and um i actually think it was so long my my second kid was born with a heart defect okay and they were considered low risk while i was pregnant and during the birth but as soon as they were born they were considered high risk and so and then also i did not get along with my ob um and i was not comfortable with the ob that i had um so i think that subconsciously my body was like as long as this baby stays inside of me they are safe and i don't have to deal with any of this um so i actually think it was a huge there was a huge mental component to that and i'm actually like i don't have any plans to have another kid but also like if i have another kid i would be really really curious to see what another birth experience would be like for me because I have a feeling it's just going to be wildly, wildly different than my first two were. Mm. Uh, but again, no plans. Nobody okay. take this as any plan <laughs> for me to have another kid. I'm good. <laughs> so Mickey, uh, do you have any advice or tips for soon-to-be parents or people going through similar situations? Um, I think make sure, and I'm not just, I'm partially saying this because I'm a doula, but Make sure that you you are very well supported for your birth. Um, I know right now, especially with coronavirus, that is easier said than done. But there are doulas offering virtual support. Um, you can take either virtual or in in person um, childbirth ed classes, uh, so that if if your main birth support person or your partner, whoever that might be. Um, is the only person allowed, like you aren't allowed a doula, then at least you guys have some preparation that's gone into it that you feel like, okay, we know some stuff. We're going to make a good team. Um, we're not going into this blind. I would say do a little work beforehand um, and really set yourself up for a well-informed, well-supported birth. Thank you. That's actually one of our our core pillars here on the podcast is helping connect people with support systems that they might not even know are available to them. Oh, I know that was that was a big part of my journey was I didn't even know that there were so many different kinds of birth workers out there that offer all kinds of different support. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of was the big idea behind this podcast was let's get the different birth workers to talk about, you know, how how people can be supported what birth what birth can look like and you know where where that support can come from yeah that's cool it's even great for birth workers birth oh it's even great for birth workers um to get to know the options that are out there i feel like we don't even know everybody that's close by you know we're all oh for sure. I mean, as I was reaching out to people and being like, hey, you know, would you like to come on the show and stuff like that? I, you know, I would ask people, you know, what is, what is it that you do? And they would tell me. And then my next question is, what is it that you're passionate about? What's the thing that, you know, you really love doing? And a lot of times I'd get like this really fascinating niche answer. Like I had somebody be like, oh, I really love working with twins. And someone else be like, oh, I'm a comfort care doula. And I was like, what is a comfort care doula? Because I'm in the birth world and I don't even know what that is. No, what is it? Oh, so she offers – so um, comfort care, the way she described it is like brushing your hair or rubbing your back or like scratching your back or like, you know, petting your arms or your hand, like things like that. 
Um, it could be during prenatal or in labor or postpartum. And I was like, this is fascinating. Like she's a doula. So like she came and was like, oh, I'm a doula. And then I was like, okay, but what do you like, what is your passion? And she's like, oh, I'm a comfort care doula. Like this is what I really love doing. And I was like, you need to come talk about that, please. Like, let's hear more about this because this is fascinating. Like, that's something that I never would have thought of to to ask for is like, I know how nice it can be to have your hair brushed or whatever, but like, maybe that's something that somebody might want when they're in labor. And like, it never would have occurred to me, like to even think about or to look for somebody who who specializes in um, sort of like self, like helping people have self care during yeah. labor. That's that's super interesting. Yeah. Good enough. So, uh, oh, so one of the other things you mentioned earlier, um, do a test run of setting up your birth pool. <laughs> oh my god! So then, yeah. So then, the second and third births, we also used the birth pool. Amazing. We got a a, a taller one. We learned that lesson. Um, and then we had it blown up and like stored it was like partially blown up um and stored in a big closet because we just were like now we know yeah yeah don't mess around (laughs) (laughs) ready so that we have a two-hour birth like yeah there's no setup time nice I love it Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us, Mickey. We're so glad that you opened up and, you know, you were vulnerable with us and shared, you know, your birth story with us. Um, Before you go, we have a couple quick questions we like to ask all of our guests. So first, what is something that you do to take care of yourself? Um, I like to run, like I mentioned earlier. I, well, it's a kind of love-hate relationship. I really love the feeling that you get after you run. Um, so I do like to run. Um, I also really love thrift shopping and um, couponing. <laughs> so nice, any, nice. like thrifting feels like treasure hunting. And when you save money with coupons, it feels like you're cheating the system somehow. And I love it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And second question, can you share a success or funny story from this week? Sure. Okay. Had the most ridiculous um, interview this week. Uh, So I was, all of my doula interviews and um, childbirth education interviews have moved online. So Mm -hmm. I, um, and my husband works late one night per week, but that is Wednesday night. So that was the only night that this client could meet with me online. So I, I just had to make it work. I put the kids to bed by myself, um, tried to make sure everyone was ready. And then I was like, okay, eight o'clock, I can do this interview. I won't be interrupted. It's going to be fine. So we get on the call, we're having a great chat. And then my, I hear the door to the room I was in open and here comes my um, middle son. He's three, almost four. And he says, uh, mom, I need you to wipe my butt. <laughs> and I was, I was like furiously <laughs> motioning, snapping my fingers behind the video call that I'm on, telling him to get out of the room, but also like smiling into the camera, like nodding along with the conversation. Um, and then he like louder, cause I wasn't acknowledging him. He was like, I need you to wipe my butt. <laughs> and so then finally I had to be like, Oh, Hi guys, excuse me. And so I like turned to acknowledge him and be like, hey bud, 
you gotta go back. Can you do it? Like you're okay. <laughs> um, so then he he left. He shut the door. We continued the conversation, and then he uh, I just heard like really loud crying from the hallway. So I was like, I'm so Aww. sorry, you guys. I, can I? I'm at the risk of sounding like super unprofessional. Can I call you right back? <laughs> And they were super gracious about it. There's, I mean, they're about to become parents. They kind of are pretty understanding. So they um, allowed me to go take care of that and then come back. But never did I ever think that I would have an interview interrupted by someone asking me to wipe their butt. <laughs> there you go. I wish that I could say that my four-year-old didn't interrupt me daily with, I need to be wiped from there the bathroom. Go. Okay, good. We're not the only one. Right this second? Right this second. Like, yeah. literally, I just took a bite of my sandwich. Like, always. Always. <laughs> they need their butt wiped. 100%. Yep. So, um, before we go, where can listeners find you? Do you have uh, an Instagram or your website you want to share with anybody so they can reach out and find you? You can find me on Instagram at the doula bell is my handle. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us here on Birth Reimagined. If you'd like to join our Facebook community, you can find us there at Birth Reimagined Family. And if you'd like to join our email list, you can get the link to that on the show notes for this episode. Being a member of our email list gets you access to all our freebies and makes sure you're kept in the loop whenever a new episode drops or we have anything exciting to share. Thanks again and see you next time.